0: In today's show, we're redrafting the 2019 NBA Draft. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked Fantasy Basketball. Yesterday, we did the 2020 NBA draft redraft. Today, we're doing the 2019 NBA redraft. Tomorrow and Friday, we are doing Dynasty Shows. There'll be one of those shows on setting up a league and rules and different things that you can do. And the other one will be talking about recent dynasty rankings slash ADPs and values of players. Don't know which order those shows are going to come in, but just they're, they're going to be the last two. And then next week, we head straight into the 2021 NBA draft stuff. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our locked on rooms. Let's talk about this draft, the 2019 draft. Yesterday, I erroneously said that we'd see J. Sean Tate in this draft, but I was wrong. He was actually 2018 draft class, so you won't see J. Sean Tate in this draft class. You just won't. It's simple as that. Let's go on to talk about the number one pick. The New Orleans Pelicans had the number one pick, and in this redraft, they are being boring and they're taking Zion Williamson. Now, you could make an argument to take Ja Morant. That's totally fine. I wouldn't. I would still take Zion. I still think what Zion does has an absolutely higher level than what does. I had Zion on my All NBA team this year. I think Jar is going to be really good, and he's going to be an All Star guard, and he's probably going to have some All NBA nods. I just think Zion's going to have ten of them. Uh, I think what he's able to do and unlock this year, and still continue to grow, has to me is the most dominating player uh, in this draft class. Yeah, pretty clear. I didn't really have too many. I didn't have any second thoughts about picking Zion at number one again. Plenty of you will disagree. And if you do dis- disagree, if you are watching on the premiere, drop it in the chat, but leave it in the comment on the video below. Let me know exactly what you what you think and who, who you would have it. Would you have anyone outside of JAR or Zion? I want. There's no chance. You have to have those guys. And I had uh, not an argument, but someone said, oh man, this draft is really hard. It's so stacked. And much like 2020, this draft to me isn't stacked. It's got two really, really good players and then a bunch of okay players, like a bunch of solid dish rotation NBA contributors, which is basically the same as every draft. But a big chunk of this first round, when you look back on it, back to um, 2019, a big chunk of this 2019 first round, like they are not good. They are not good at all. Now there's some second rounders who stepped up and some undrafted players who stepped up, but there's a bunch of guys in that first round who aren't good. So to me, this isn't stacked. There isn't a bunch of high level all-star or fringe all-star players. There are two stars and that is, and let's talk about the second star because at number two, we're staying the same. Ja Morant goes to Memphis. Absolute no-brainer pick there. If he doesn't go one, he goes two. They are the top two players in this draft. They were the top two players in this draft. They will remain the top two players in this draft, will be my guess, as we move forward. Ja, yeah, still for fantasy, has some struggles. We know that with his lack of steals, his lack of threes, his weird percentages, and his completely inconsistent play this year. He stepped it up in the playoffs, and that will definitely let him lead him to be overdrafted next season, I would believe. Um, because he's, yeah, regular season work this year he was pretty shit shithouse for majority of the time. But as a player, uh, you have to take him at number two. I don't think there can be really any debate about taking Ja Morant at number two. But here's where things get really sexy. Because at number three, in the real draft, we had RJ Barrett go to the New York Knicks. I'm not going to take Ron Barrett at number three. He wasn't far off, to be honest. And this is where I think this draft does fall off. Because I go, well, I don't particularly think Barrett's a great player but I also still had him in consideration for the number three pick. But I'm not taking him at number three. The New York Knicks at number three are going to take Darius Garland. Yes, Darius Garland. Now, Garland struggled as a rookie, um, coming off knee injuries, a shithouse coach, no college season, all that stuff was a problem for him. In his second year, he turned it on. And when he was really given those keys towards the second half of the year when Sexton was missing time, he thrived. He scored well. He hit his threes well. He passed well. He defended at a better level. I think he's a better prospect personally than Colin Sexton. And again, yeah, I do think that having a guy like that who can shoot, who can score, who can be a lead ball handler and initiator for your team is more valuable than an R.J. Barrett. So I'm taking Garland at three up from his original spot at number five. So at number four, the Atlanta Hawks are on the board and I was left with a bit of a decision here. Do I take Barrett or do I take the original selection of DeAndre Hunter? And in the end, I did choose R.J. Barrett Barrett took some big strides this season. He still can be wonkily inconsistent, but he did show improvements in his passing uh, and and his shooting as well, although there was still inconsistencies there. He showed he can be a decent level scorer on okay usage as a second or third option, I think is his best role. Defensively, he improved, he's still not great. And yeah, I just think that you're having him there as that guy that you can scale up a little bit and hopefully that shooting comes around. I'm not 100% convinced of this one, of having Barrett at number four, but that's the direction that I did end up going. And at number five, We had Cleveland on the clock. They took, of course, Darius Garland, and I'm going to go with DeAndre Hunter. So I'm going to keep the top five actually the same, just in different orders. So DeAndre Hunter goes at number five. Now, Hunter really turned things around this year. As I said on my show, I don't know when it was the other day, talking about do I trust DeAndre Hunter it was the hawk season review. Do I do I believe that the 20 games that we saw of DeAndre Hunter and these yeah, gigantic step-ups in free field goal, free throw, and three-point percentage are realistic, or was it a 20-game sample size? And then yeah, what he did when he came back from his injury was more mirroring his rookie season. Like, which one of those is real? I'd like to lean a little bit more on the larger sample size at this point. Can he maintain high efficiency, high usage, like he did in those first 15 or 16 games? I, I'd like to think he could, but I don't fully trust it. But he could easily go at number three in this draft. He could go at number four. But I am not convinced that he is that guy on a regular ongoing basis. But he could also turn into Chris Middleton. Like, there's the, that's a possibility. And you know, I could easily switch him. I probably still wouldn't have him over Garland, but I could easily switch him and Rowan Barrett there at that position. Guys, Michelob Ultra. Uh, no, you know what? I, I stuffed that up. But uh, yeah, let's do it anyway. Ad reads all over the place because the NBA Finals they're starting today, and our road to the finals NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. That was a, a hashtag unprofessional read, but let's let's do another one because this episode is brought to you by Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Go to Green Room, download the app. Easy to do, and it's the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course reacting to big news or rumors. And there are plenty of I've Locked On hosts on Green Room across the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and yeah, I'm going to be back. I'm not going to do it at the moment, but I am on Green Room as well, and you can find me at Josh Lloyd 48 but when the off-season ramps up, when the season ramps up, I'll be doing shows over on Green Room as well. So download the free Green Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices, and be sure to create that profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know there are tons of incredible rooms in there that you can find, and uh, once I am back, ready to go on there, I'll let you know. Download the Green Room app today. Green Room is changing the way that we talk sports. All right, sports. Let's go. Pick number six in this redraft. It is the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they ill-fatedly selected Jarrett Culver. I'll give you a spoiler alert. Nobody in this redraft is taking Jarrett Culver in the top 30. He's been terrible. At number six, now this one is quite controversial. And I know that all of his relatives are going to be pretty excited about this. But I put out a, uh, not a poll, this is a question on Twitter yesterday saying, where would you take Kevin Porter Jr. in a redraft of 2019? Some people say, oh, ah, yeah, 20, 14. Some people said, four. I, the value is all over the shop. And looking at these, this group of guys, I'm going to take Kevin Porter at number six. Now, as you're well aware from listening to this show, I don't think that he is the generational talent that some people think that he is. Man, he's, he's Harden. He, no, he's not. Um, but I also don't think that he's completely trash. I, I do worry about the off-court stuff with him, for sure. But when I look at the guys behind him here, I'm taking a flyer. Like, if it works out, he can be a really good scorer who has shown an ability now to become a passer. Defensively, he's still dreadful and shooting is still a problem. But I'm, I'm going to take a swing here. I don't love it. It could look stupid in six months' time. But the guys behind him, which you'll see come up in a second, I'm not enamored with those blokes. Like I don't think any of them like are guaranteed better options than Kevin Porter. So I'm going to take Cousin Kev at number six for Minnesota. At number seven, the Bulls, they stay boring. They go with Kobe White again. Kobe White did take some steps forward at the end of last season, but I still don't think he's a starting point guard. He's not a good enough passer. He's not a good defender. He can be inconsistent with his shot, but he creates his own shot. He gets his own shot and he scores, and that's really valuable. And again, looking at the players coming behind him, despite this, you know, some people think this is a really good draft. It's not that good. If I can get myself a 24 minute a night, sixth man who can score 16 points per game, I'll take it at number seven. Like I don't think there's many, many game changes here. So Kobe White goes back to the Bulls at number seven. At number eight, absolute riser. This was the Pelicans pick. It still is the Pelicans pick. Now, and, and I also have to acknowledge that, you know, the, the Pelicans, you know, the Hawks may not have traded up in this situation so they could get RJ Barrett because, you know, they've got, they didn't have the fourth pick, it was the Pelicans. So trades were made under the assumption we're getting certain players, but I'm just going by which team actually picked at which position versus them trading up to get into that spot to draft a particular player, of course. So the Pelicans here are at number eight. They took Jackson Hayes with this selection, but they're not taking Jackson Hayes here. No, my son is also named Bort. Lou Dort goes from undrafted to the 8th pick in the draft. I obviously do not believe that Dort is the guy that Thunder tried to make, make him, or that some people try to tell me that he is towards the end of the season. No, he's a go-to offensive option who can run 27 usage on 62 true shooting and hit his threes and score 20 a game and average 3 steals and whatever bullshit numbers people are throwing out. He can't be that guy, I'm telling you now. But what he can be is a very, very good wing defender who can hit open threes, who can develop a little bit more of his offensive game. And you're having a guy who can guard wings, who can do a little bit offensively, who's got room to grow, who's still sort of young. I'll take him at number eight. I'll be very happy to take Lou Dort. And it is a big rise. So the top eight's done. I think the controversial ones in this would be Dort at eight, Porter at six. Tell me, are they too high for you? Tweet it at me, drop it in the comments below. And who would you have above him? Who haven't I put in yet that you would have above Porter, Dort? They're probably the two controversial ones there, even maybe White. Number nine, PJ Washington Jr. goes to the Washington Wizards. I think Washington has been pretty successful. He can be inconsistent. I thought he corrected that a little bit towards the end of the season. Plays at center, plays at the four. Big man who can shoot. Defends okay. Still needs some work there. Not a game changer but can be, is a solid NBA starter. I think at number nine, you've got to be pretty happy with getting that sort of player there. Then at number 10, this was the Hawks pick or is the Hawks pick as a part of that Pelicans trade. Uh, sorry, as part of the Luka Doncic trade. They they selected uh, Cam Reddish with this selection in the real draft. Uh, at number nine, the Wizards selected Rui Hachimura with that pick, by the way. At number, nine, at number 10, the Hawks picked Cam Reddish and I'm not going with Cam Reddish here. I am taking one of the Pelicans players and that is Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Again, like Kobe White, a guard who's not the best passer and is probably not suited to be a full-time point guard, but can be a guy that scores and scores well, can generate some steals, unlike Kobe White, can be a high usage, decent efficiency player. And I think having that sort of a guy is useful. It's always useful. We're looking for those spark plug guys, the guys that can create his own shot, the guys that believe in themselves no matter what. Jordan Clarkson shared out time. So I think Alexander Walker goes at number 10. I think that one might be a bit of a controversial selection as well because there are guys below him. There are more controversies coming, don't worry. There are guys below him that many would say have outperformed him so far in his two years in the league. But again, it's not about what have you done in two years. It's about how can I see you performing over the next five to seven years. So Alexander Walker goes at number 10. Number 11 is the Phoenix Suns. They selected Cam Johnson in the real draft, and I will not be doing that here. They're going to go with this one. Tyler Hero was great in the bubble last year and he was uh, less than great this season. You know that I have been very firmly on the Tyler Hero is overrated bandwagon because the rating that he was getting was guaranteed 20 point per night starting player who's a superstar in the waiting in a top 50 fantasy guy upside, which is complete bullshit. And I said that was complete bullshit in the summer league. I said it was complete bullshit after the playoffs. And I think we saw that this year that he's not that good. But again, We're taking him at number 11 here. I think he can be a very, very useful player who needs to improve his shooting efficiency. He's got a lot of problems defensively, but he can pass a little bit. He can run the pick and roll somewhat. And that's valuable. Now, there will be plenty of people who have him ahead of Kobe White, Lou Dort, Alexander Walker, even Kevin Porter. I just don't value him as highly as I do those guys. And and, yeah, you can argue that as much as you want, but that's my opinion. All right. Number 12. The Charlotte Hornets did uh, pick PJ Washington Jr. here. But I'm taking Chumura Kiki. Now, this was one that's out of the box. We didn't see a Kiki in his first year after being drafted due to his ACL rehab. We did see him this year, and it wasn't until the end of the season where he started to get a really sizable role. Now, he was pushed into a role that was too large for him, and that did hurt his shooting numbers, but I think his ability as a defender was awesome. I think he showed an ability to be a solid offensive player. Yeah, very similarly to Lou Dort, except he guards threes and fours versus Dort twos and threes. Um, can he ever be a go-to offensive guy? Can he ever be better than a fourth offensive option? Maybe not, but a starting caliber 3-4 who can defend threes and fours, who can shoot a little bit, who can pass a little bit. I think it's quite valuable. So I'm taking Chuma Akiki at number 12. And you, you'll understand there are guys who are established in the NBA who are sliding behind Chumer here, who have put up better numbers than him over his career. But again, I'm trying to look forward to see how this all uh, all pans out. Built Bar, it is back, but it is back with a limited time flavor, the Built Grasshopper Cookie. It's available this week only, and you can get that new Built Bar flavor grasshopper cookie. What does it taste like? Well, this is Built Bar's version of the classic thin mint cookie, all the flavor without all that sugar, 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and just five grams of sugar. But you can celebrate your freedom of choice by going to Built Bar, because they've got so many flavors, so many delicious flavors, coconut, cherry bar sea, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, strawberry, that's a new one. Um, My favorite flavor out of that group is probably the raspberry. Um, And if you haven't tried all the flavors, get a mixed box. You get all of the flavors in the one box, two of each of the nine flavors. And check out the macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. You order today and you can get your grasshopper cookie flavor, for that limited time. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the US track and field team as well. Go to built.com, use the promo code Locked15, and you'll get 15% off your order. The promo code is what is it? It's Locked15, that's what it is. For 15% off at built.com. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA playoffs are going, the NHL Stanley Cup finals are still going, baseball is in full swing, and you can track all that action at Bet Online. So get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs across all of those leagues and UFC MMA action. Before the next tip-off, head to Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams, Phoenix, Milwaukee, they prep for their runs to the championship. Head to that website, use your mobile device, and sign up today using our promo code LOCKEDON and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. Next pick, pick number 13. Now, in the real draft, pick number 13 was Miami, and they selected Tyler Hero. He is off the board. So they're going to go with Brandon Clark, who I think was really disappointing this season. But a guy, again, that I know can come in and be a useful rotation piece Even if I have soured a little bit on his overall upside, um, he still uh, can be a very good complementary player who can defend well, who can be an efficient shooter, still a little bit undersized. But working next to and behind Bam Adebayo, I think he would have useful or utility here for Miami. So I'm going to take Brandon Clark at number 13. At number 14, Cam Reddish is going to go off the board to Boston. He has been one of the worst shooters in the entire NBA for big chunks of his career, But there is enough flashes there for him to me to go, well, he's a really good defender. We know that. Um, He shows some ball handling ability, and he does occasionally flash the uh, three-point range. And by flash the three-point range, he takes a lot of threes, and he hits them at an okay percentage. He just cannot do anything inside whatsoever. But there's still use in that. I don't think there's use in that in taking it in like a top eight or top seven type scenario. But being a guy that bombs away threes and hits them, and defends and handles the ball, there is use in that. And I could easily see Reddish going ahead of a Kiki or ahead of Hero, ahead of Alexander Walker if you value those things. I don't think there's any problem with that. And at number 15, here's another flyer. Detroit at 15. They're taking Taylor Horton Tucker, second round draft pick from the Lakers. He's going to get a contract that's going to make you say in the offseason, kids, cover your ears. Why the fuck are we paying $15 million a year for Taylor Horton Tucker? That's going to happen because there is just a lot there. Driving ability, really good. Passing vision, very strong. Defensive ability, already good. Shooting, may, may, maybe not. I don't think you have the facilities for that big man. <laughs> but I'll, I'll take a flyer on him mid-first round for a guy that can be a six-eight, six-nine wing, ball handler, defensive guy. When I look at the guys behind him, I think there's more ability for him to develop into a yes, fringe all-star than there is these other guys. But I admit that that's perhaps a somewhat controversial selection. Let's go to number 16, the Orlando Magic. I'm going to take Nick Claxton. I love what Claxton could do. Another second-round pick that's jumping up here. Can be a really good uh, defensive center. Obviously, in this scenario where Orlando's picking, they've still got and Bumba, but Bumba, seriously... We're not stopping drafting anyone because we've got Mo Bumba. And Vuc yeah, isn't long for this team, as we've seen him be traded already. Claxton's yeah, the guy that you hope to bring in and, and be that starting center. 26-minute-a-night starting center. Good switchy defender. Has some offensive ability. Can handle the ball a little bit. Probably never going to be a shooter. But there is something there. And I think you're yeah, taking him in, in that uh, spot number 16 works for me. Number 17 is the Pelicans. They originally selected Nikhil Alexander-Walker with this selection, but he is off the board. So they're going to have to go with something different. I'm taking another wing for them and I'm taking Keldon Johnson, who was the 29th pick in this draft, didn't do really much as a rookie, came on and started all season for the Spurs, started out really hot, dropped all the way off as the season went on. But again, as a wing who can be somewhat of an offensive option, who can be a solid enough defender, I think a contributing rotation wing player is always really useful. And that's exactly, in my opinion, what Keldon Johnson is. Number 18, the Indiana Pacers, they're going to go with Rui Hachimura. Now, I know there, there'll be people out there definitely who watch this who say Rui should have been picked in the top five. Josh, look at his numbers. He's averaged 14 and 7. He's playing 31 minutes a night. He was a top 10 pick. He only started playing basketball five or six years ago. And, and all of those points are true. It doesn't mean that he's good, and it doesn't mean that he's going to become better. I don't think that he's necessarily going to be a... Look, I think that he's been gifted minutes in Washington. So the production that he's had, the minutes that he's had, I don't think he's got them because he's been that good. Maybe I'm completely off on this. I just don't see him as a starter level player on a good team. I just just don't see it. What does he do? He's a decent mid-range guy. Cool. Doesn't take enough threes. Doesn't defend very well. Can't pass. Sometimes passive. He can handle a lot of minutes, but does he do anything in them? I'm just, I'm not a hater. Love the bloke. I think he's a fantastic bloke, but I just don't value him as highly as others do. So that's why I've got him sliding down to 18. Hate on that as much as you want. At number 19, the Spurs. They take the dart, Goga Badadze. Problem with my Goga mobile. Goga mobile? No, not the dart. Not the dart. This is an interesting portion of the dart. I could have had Goga up at 15, to be honest. I really think he's going to develop into a high-level center. I debated between him and Nick Claxton as to which one I have higher there. Goga has had some really good defensive moments. He's also had some terrible-looking moments. I think he can develop into a three-point shooting, shot-blocking, uh, rebounding big man. I think that can happen, but it also may not. And I do worry about some of his pick-and-roll defensive stuff. And even the shooting hasn't really come across yet. But I think you've got to take him at number 19. That The Spurs originally took Luka Sharmanich at this pot. They're definitely not taking a show. I mean, it's just one drop down from Bedadze from where he was actually drafted. And even when he was drafted at eighteen, I actually thought it was too low. So maybe I'm being a little bit hypocritical by having him at nineteen. But I look at these other guys ahead of him and go, oh, I do believe in Goga still, and I still think he can be pretty good. But the guys I've got ahead of him, you know, that have jumped up, Porter, Dort, um, yeah, Alexander Walker, Kiki Clark, Horton Tucker, Claxton Johnson, all those guys. I do think is fair enough to say that they would be drafted ahead of him. I could easily make the argument that he should have gone ahead of Hachimura here. I do think there's a little bit more upside, but again, Rui has proved something at least, and Goga hasn't. So that's why I did you know cave into that idea. This one, at number 20, this is where the Sixers took Matisse Thybul. I was tempted to go to Thybul. I think he's already an elite level defender. We saw that. He made all defensive team. He made all my, all my all defensive team as well. But the offense is just such a negative that you can't actually play him enough minutes to take full advantage of that defensive stuff. So while I think he's a good option, I'm going to take a shooter in this spot and I'm going to take Cam Johnson going to Philadelphia. Johnson, again, is pretty limited in what he can do, but I think he can at least do things both ways. He can defend a bit. He can rebound a bit. He can shoot generally pretty well. He's on a team that's in the NBA Finals at the moment, so we'll see how he goes there. But taking a shooter like that there, Cam Johnson at number 20 is what I'm going to do. And then at 21, the Memphis Grizzlies, they are going to come in and take Matisse Thybul. This is where they picked Brandon Clark in the real draft. So they're going to take Thibel here, a defensive wing guard who's already going to, we know he's going to generate big defensive stats and he's going to be a useful player. But holy shit, that offense is a real issue for Thibel. At 22, it is the Boston Celtics. They took Grant Williams in this spot last time. They will not be doing that this time. And they're going to take a second round player who's jumped all the way up and had real you know, some pretty successful moments in the playoffs. And that's Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann comes at number 22 to Boston. Mann does have some issues with shooting. He is an older player, but he's a very good rebounder. He's very good attacking the rim. He's a good finisher. Um, he shows some passing flash. He can play like a small forward shooting guard, point guard type role. I don't think you want to rely upon him to be a a 33-minute-a-night starter, but he can do that. And the reason you have him a little bit lower here is just the age and some of the shooting concerns. Number 23, OKC. They originally selected Darius Baisley here. At number 23, they're going to go with a big man, and they're going to select Daniel Gafford, who did go to the Bulls in the second round, of course, now on the Wizards. Now, I think at times, Gafford has some problems still defensively, but he can be a really big energy big man. Could be a great rim protector, showed some real improvement in Washington. And just taking that flyer, an athletic big man who can run the floor and be a 25-minute, 27-minute-a-night starting center, I think he's pretty useful there. At 24, the Phoenix Suns originally took Ty Jerome in this spot. They won't be doing that here. At 24, it is going to be Jordan Poole, who went to the Golden State Warriors. Poole was one of the worst players in the NBA as a rookie. Came on towards the end of the season, and then this year became a really valuable piece, I think, for Golden State as a shooter, as a guy that can pass a little bit, as a very, very good sixth man. And just getting him in there behind Booker and eventually behind Chris Paul, you're replacing Langston Galloway, E1 Moore type minutes. I think that is a pretty big win for Phoenix to get Jordan Poole at pick number 24. At number 25, the Portland Trailblazers originally selected Nasir Little. And this time they're going to select Terrence Davis, a second round, sorry, an undrafted player who signed with the Raptors. He's now with the Kings. I'm not convinced that he can be a full-time starter. The off-court stuff is obviously troubling with some of those allegations, which I believe have been dismissed. But anyway, the allegations are still troubling. Um, Portland obviously doesn't have a problem with the troubling allegations. But Davis just as a shot creator and a guy that can show a little bit of ball handling, hitting him here at 25, I think is good value. At 26, Cleveland. They selected Dylan Windler here. They won't be doing that again. This is a big drop from the bloke who was originally at number 15, and it is Sekou Dumbaya. Now, I was pretty high on Dumbaya at the point, at the time where he was drafted. He has not really shown me, outside of about four or five games, anything. He's still really young. He still has some ability to improve from here, like a lot of ability to improve, but I'm not convinced of it. I'm not convinced he's ever going to be aggressive enough or a good enough shooter or even a good enough defender to uh, to make up for the fact uh, or, to, or to be you know, valued as high as what he was when he was drafted. 27 is the Clippers. They selected Fyunda Cabangale, who's now on his third team in two years. So yeah, he won't be coming here. But what we are doing is taking another undrafted player, O'Shea Brissett, who you can make the argument is a real chance to be a starter for the Pacers next year, especially if Miles Turner is traded. A rim-protecting 3-4 who can rebound a little bit, who sh- whose shot has improved significantly. I'd like to see a little bit more sample size before I say he's a very good shooter, but he showed he can, can be a very good shooter. So O'Shea Brissett comes in at number 27. At 28, the Warriors originally selected Jordan Poole here. I'm going to take Naz Reed, who was an undrafted big man who went to the Wolves. Just another high-energy shooting big man who blocks shots, who can be high usage, very like most Spatesy in some of his uh, playing or, or statistical comps, I would say. So Nas Reid goes at 28. 29, this is where the Spurs originally selected Keldon Johnson. He's off the board, so they're going to go with Ty Jerome, sliding down a few spots. Just really going to be a backup guard, I think, in the NBA, but it can be a solid shooting guard and a solid passer, and that's always useful. Then at number 30, the Cavs originally had Kevin Porter Jr. in this spot. He is gone. So they are going to select Darius Baisley, who you know obviously shot horribly this year. He showed to me that he can be at least a rotation NBA player. I wouldn't want to rely upon him as a big minute starter, but I think he's a solid enough rotation guy with some defensive ability. So the Cavs are going to select him there at number 30. So let's recap the 2019 draft again, the redraft. At number one, Zion Williamson to the Pelicans, two, Ja Morant to the Grizzlies, three, Darius Garland to the Knicks, four, Rowan Barrett Jr. to the Hawks, five, DeAndre Hunter to the Cavs, six, Cousin Kevin Porter to Minnesota, seven, Kobe White to the Bulls, eight, Lou Dort to the Pelicans, nine, PJ Washington Jr. to the Wizards, ten, Nikhil Alexander Walker to the Hawks, eleven, Tyler Hero to the Suns, twelve, Chumurikiki to to the Hornets. 13 is Brandon Clark to the Heat. 14 is Cam Reddish to the Celtics. 15 is Talon Horton Tucker to the Pistons. 16 is Claxton Nick Claxton to the Magic. 17 is Calden Johnson to the Pelicans. 18 is Rui Hachimura to the Pacers. 19 is Goga Badadze to the Spurs. 20 is Cam Johnson to the Sixers. 21, Matisse Thibel to the Grizzlies. 22, Terrence Mann to the Celtics. 23, Dan Gafford to the Celtics. To the Thunder, sorry. 24, Jordan Poole to the Suns. 25, Terence Davis to the Blazers. 26, Sikul Dumbaya to the Cavs. 27 is O'Shea Brissett to the Clippers. 28, Naz Reid to the Warriors. 29, Ty Jerome to the Spurs. And 30, Darius Baisley going to the Cavs. So out of the original first round, the following players did not get redrafted. Jarrett Culver, didn't draft him in the first round. Romeo Langford, I didn't draft him in the first round. Luka Sharmanich, Grant Williams, Nasir Little, Dylan Windler, Fundo Cabangale, and those are the guys who did not make it into the redraft of the first round, guys. That will do it for today's show. But make sure that you are checking out, once I get my words up, the Locked On Ultimate Draft. It's starting July 19th. The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 is presented by Locked On and Odyssey. Featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA mock drafts, Chad Ford and the Odyssey NBA experts, Brian Scalabrini and former general manager, Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. And that's A-U-D-A-C-Y, which when I get the copy for those Odyssey reads, they tell me it's pronounced, uh, I just read it as, Odyssey, Odyssey. No, no. In my accent, if I, in an American accent, if I was to say Odyssey, Odyssey, it'd sound the same. But if I said it, it's Odyssey versus Odyssey, and they don't sound the same. So anyway, it's Odyssey, audio, 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 Odyssey. Anyway, o- Odyssey. You can hire me to help with your pronunciation guide. Well, guys, follow this podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Don't forget on YouTube as well. Thumb me up. Flick my bell leave a comment, do all that. Tell me what you thought of this redraft. Tell me how shit it was. Tell me how good it was. Tell me what you disagree with, the guys, we had done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.